Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome, everyone, to Finding Hermes. I hope you're ready to walk walk through some doors with the god Hermes and uh, lay your cards on the table. And we shall, too, as we always do here. With us, we have the pleasure of having Sam Tripoli. Sam, how are you? And thanks for coming on. Miguel, thanks for having me on. Uh, now, when I do Zoom meetings, I have to put like a letter or something over my side because I'll just stare at myself the whole time in the Zoom. <laughs> Because I'm, yeah. I'm just a little weird like that. But thanks for having me on, man. I always love having you on Tim Fall Hat, and you oh, always yeah. knock it out of the park. So I appreciate you having me on your show. Oh, yeah. It's always fun talking to you, and I'm, I'm with you looking at myself or listening back to interviews. I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to hear my voice. Yeah, I, My family I, I, agrees. They don't want to hear my voice either. <laughs> it, is, it is incredibly hard as a comedian because the, the key to doing comedy is just like repetition, but also learning what you do right and what you do wrong. And I, I cannot hear myself talk. I just, it drives me nuts. So it's so hard, man. It's like really hard because you got to sit down and go, okay, I messed that word up. I messed that word up. So yeah, I get it, dude. I get yeah. it. Well, yeah, that's interesting. I wanted to talk to you about humor. Uh, I don't know if you ever watch a movie with Tom Hanks called Punchline. Probably oh, yeah. very few. Sally Fields. Tom, I love it. Yeah. Dark, yeah. dark humor. But there's one scene where I don't know if it's Sally Fields or somebody asking, her, well, why do you always telling jokes and shit? And his answer <laughs> is because I take everything so seriously. Is that what humor is to you? Or how has humor helped oh, you yeah. cope throughout the years? Well, it's very interesting because we're like, we're supposed to be clowns, but we're so sensitive and we're super serious people. And we, you know, we're trying to make everybody laugh, but same time, we're always demanding respect. It's a 
very complex enigma being a stand-up comic. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's just such an interesting, interesting way to live, man. There's like, that's why there's a lot of drug and alcohol abuse in there because the highs are so high and the lows are so low. And it's just, yeah, man, it's like, it's like, and there's also this constant battle between what stand-ups think they're doing and what the what audiences and people in society want them to do because a lot of, like a lot of standups would be lead singers and rock bands if they could sing right they kind of want that love and respect but then the crowd there's a lot of people who think stand-up comedy is just really just like patty cakes and and they don't understand like sometimes like we use humor to uh, shed light on situations, but they take it as being disrespectful, talking down or, you know, and they don't believe, you know, you, they, they have this belief that if you do a joke about someone that automatically means you look down on them, that's not true. So it's this constant battle between, you know, what, what is the intent of the joke between the comic and the crowd? Yeah, I would definitely agree. I respect stand-up comedians. I mean, you're talking about a rock star. A rock star is just creating a piece of art and just sending it out there. But with a stand-up comedian, there is some interaction. You are in a symbiotic relationship with your audience at all times, right? I mean, you're united and that's, you got to be pretty vulnerable, but still act like you're not vulnerable, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's a weird thing. Like, I, it's like it's like kind of in the middle between rock star and cult leader in a weird way. In that, you know, the key to comedy is getting this entire group of people that don't know each other, maybe besides tables, but for most part, strangers all to think in the exact same way. And and that's why the great comics just talk in the rhythm, whether it's. Even at Sam Kissing, which seems like it's screaming, but it is his rhythm, and that's how you get people to think like that. So it it, it is a very vulnerable, super naked. Uh, it is the one art that you cannot learn on your own. Like most, I could learn guitar by myself. I could learn to sing by myself. I could learn to paint by myself. I could learn to podcast by myself but I cannot learn stand-up comedy by myself. I have to get in front of the audience and that makes it a very, it's a very, it could be, it's the most amazing art because you are learning to become a Jedi in a weird way because you're playing mind tricks on people, tweaking of tiny words, but it's also very limited too because I have to, like the only result or, or the biggest result is laughter. So I, I am limited to their, how far the crowd's willing to go with me. So that's kind of sometimes I think about going on like, you know, like a, like a, just a one man show, because, you know, even though I don't know your, your show's not necessarily a conspiracy show, but we're kind of in that alternative realm place. And sometimes it's like, we're doing some deep dives on stuff that people need to digest. And that's why when it's you're in a comedy club, it's very hard to go that deep on the stuff. But man, it is an interesting journey. And you know, how long does it take to become a doctor? 10, 15 years? That's literally how long it takes to be a, become a really good comic. A couple people come out of the womb killing it, like Pablo Francisco or you know, um Nick Swartz, and those guys are like 20 years old. You know, and, and we're killing, but most people it takes a decade, decade and a half to really master the art. 
And do you do you think uh, stand-up comedians uh, beyond uh, the pandemic are a dying breed, or how, where do you see the this craft going to? I mean, we live in well, again yeah. this politically correct times and cancel culture and all that stuff. You know, here's the whole thing. I, there is a there's going to be a split between the scene. There'll be corporate comedy, and then there'll be going kind of the underground, which is kind of what you see in music, right? Uh-huh. I mean, in music, you see like, yeah, you go to a music festival, you go see the top band, but there's like 10 bands below them. Most of them haven't heard, but they got a giant following. That's where comedy's going. Like, you know, it's like, I, I, I work very hard on, um, on uh, podcasting because I have a, a skill set built for it. And I always used to say this joke that nobody would laugh at, but I always loved it. it was like, what if you're the Michael Jordan of something that hasn't been invented yet? And because it hasn't been invented, you're just a lazy ass that sits on the couch all day because your skill set, if you're the greatest interdimensional hide-and-go-seek player of all time, but because that technology doesn't exist, you, you have no way to shine. Well, comedically, that's kind of in a weird way was happening to me because my skill set didn't have a way to kind of shine and amplify, but now through podcasting paywalls and all that stuff, I've been really able to shine. So I have a pirate ship, Miguel, and like occasionally I like to raid some motherfuckers. So I don't, I don't care. Like if you tell me there's a joke I can't do, I will write five jokes, 10 jokes on that and do all those jokes. Obviously, you don't want to drift into hate speech. And there are words that will incite certain certain reactions. But I'm also somebody that's like, I'm a guy who makes a living talking. And there's issues that are super delicate. And I feel like I have the need to talk about them. So, you know, like with the M word, I won't say it, obviously. But I have a joke about being called the M word by Paul Mooney, who pretty much copyrighted the N- the word N word, right? He was he was known for saying it, and sometimes even when I say that on stage, people get weirded out. But it's a real story that happens, and that's the fine line you have to walk when you do stand up comedy. Because for me, dude, in this day of podcasting and uh, the internet, authenticity now is the currency that people are looking for. Yeah, and I love what you're doing, that intersection of comedy and the occult and conspiracy, which brings me to my next question is, uh, why do we use laughter? I mean, I know, and I know you know me, I'll overthink shit too much, and maybe it's great when you just chop me down and just keep it keep it simple, as Bill W. would say, but in ancient times, the, the jester was the only one who could make fun of the king. Yes. Why? Yes. Because he, the king needed an ego check and to be shown that everything was temporal. The life is kind of absurd, absurd. So the king wouldn't take himself seriously and be a better king. Is that why you or we use humor to realize life is kind of absurd? Well, you know, it's like I used to be a big I, I'm a huge Bill Hicks fan. And mm. I used to, you know, do, you know, we all get influenced. And I was doing that. And then I realized, like, there's this kind of thing where it's like people want to learn, but they also want to be entertained. And so if you just have somebody up there all the time shouting at them, they're like, I didn't come here to get lectured. But, you know, a spoonful of sugar makes a mess and go down, right? If you can make people kind of you know, laughter loosens people up and they kind of have fun, but then you, you know, it's like, get them laughing, slip them the truth. That to me 
is the big thing to do. And that's, that's what podcasting is. And that's kind of like, I have this new show called cash daddies. It's a investment show for the internet rich. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, all the most investment shows are very dry. I'm like, let's have fun. Let's just do talk crazy. Like we're guys at the bar and see if how it goes. And it's already starting to resonate with people. And that's kind of what I think happened with Tim Fall hat is that it, you know, I entered into a genre of some wonderful people that are delivering some very heavy messages. And I was able to create this kind of thing that, you know, I, I make no illusions of what Tim Fall had is it is the kiddie sec. It's the kiddie pool. It's the shallow end of the pool. It is, it is the training wheels. And that's done purposely to get the help kind of beginners kind of stick their toe in the pool of truth and the occult and ancient knowledge. Like when you came on, you talk about Abraxas. I call him the chicken snake God that helps people kind of take that in and have fun with it instead of like being like trying to digest everything and, and then just kind of having it like it's some heavy topics I could talk about. You could talk about that can start weighing on you too. If you get so into what is being talked about, it could, it could really weigh down your soul. So I think having fun with it lets people digest it while at the same time, um, not like just getting depressed about the world. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Regardless. Yeah. You go down those rabbit holes of these and yeah, your mind will crack. I mean, it's the whole idea of gnosis. You see the horror of the universe, but you still love it and embrace it. Laughter will help you. And it reminds me of this quote from uh, Oscar Wilde that goes, uh, if you want to tell people the truth, make them laugh. Otherwise, they'll kill you. Uh, And I think that's it. People, you got to get them to laugh because you know that people don't want facts in this age. (laughs) Well, it's like in prison, the guy who makes people laugh tends to get uh stay around a little longer you know what i'm saying so that's kind of how i guess we're all like this is like a prison planet right and uh the people making people laugh deal can steal can deal with the realm that we're in and uh, that's kind of always like when i was a kid you know i uh i i almost got my ass kicked a bunch of times and kind of making people laugh saved my ass a thousand times in high school and what about just, uh, go ahead but that's just the coping me- like st- uh, humor is a defense mechanism for sure and for us i mean humor was a way we uh dealt with the trauma dealt with our addiction and sometimes uh, i would say humor was a way i wouldn't face my addiction or my trauma do you ever feel that way sometimes i had to take things seriously because i was always being such a wise ass even when i was you know, close to being suicidal, high on case, like I went too far. <laughs> well, you know, that like when you go into recovery stuff, I think the the greatest thing you learn very quickly is you can still have fun in recovery. And that, you know, it's not a like a tight wadded button up group. You know, it's we're not a glum lot. And I think that's very important, you know. Uh, you know, one of the biggest shows in LA once a year is a thing called Yuckaholics and he's these really great comics from like 20, 30 years ago, put together a show to help raise money for rehabs Mm -hmm. and to help like newcomers just know you can have fun. It's like, I don't know how dirty we can get on this show, but it's like when you walk in to a room and there's people who shot heroin in their dick, they're not going to get offended by jokes. You know what I'm saying? They're going to have a laugh. And, you know, I do those recovery shows for free, but man, if, if you could make a living just, entertaining these newly i mean what a wonderful time what a wonderful 
place to be. I mean, not only are you doing good, but you're able to, you know, take care of yourself financially. I do them for free, but man, uh, there's nothing better than recovery shows. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it is true. I, I remember the days where, Oh my, when you far, first start going to AA or rehab, you're like, shit, my life is over. I'm just going to stay sober till the day I die because I can't go to bars, can't do this. And then oh, yeah. I remember watching, going, seeing Pink Floyd wasted twice and then going, seeing Roger Waters sober. No comparison. Seeing Roger Waters sober was just awesome. And then just going home and going to bed. What a concept. I love sleeping, dude. You know, I'm I'm 48, dude. My body many years ago uh, threw a coup and overthrew the dictator. So my life wasn't about women all the time and chasing ass and all that. And now I can kind of sleep and enjoy it. You know, I just had two kids. So stick a fork in me. I'm done. And some people might get sad about that. But I'm like, it's this is the most free I've ever been in my life, man. Uh, you know, for me, dude, it's like, I remember going to meetings and hearing people tell their story and everyone laughing at how ridiculous they were high. And that let me be like, wow, I'm, I'm out around my, my, I'm vibing with my tribe. You know, uh, I've been robbed by the same hooker twice in one day. I've gone to jail buying drugs off a trans hooker and getting laughed at by the cop. Cause she ripped me off on the drug deal. I've done Coke all night and, uh, didn't realize till I got a call an hour before the show that I was doing a charity event for the LAPD and I was gacked out of my skull. Like these are the places that I put myself. So a newcomer hears these stories and uh, it kind of lets them know it's going to be all right, you know? And that's kind of why I, I think we have fun in our sobriety. I remember the first joke I ever wrote sober and I, it was such a relief off my chest because there's this, a illusion that that people think that you have to be high to be artistic and I never believed that I, you know I just thought after I wrote this joke that you just happened you were being artistic you just happened to be high at the moment you know inspiration hit you so the first joke I ever wrote was about how how fast zombies are now in movies right like Back in the day, the old black and white movies, they were moving like your grandma trying to get a pinch. Give grandma a kiss. Give your grandma a kiss, right? These zombies now, they run like four 340s, right? They're just like hauling ass. So, you know, I remember when I wrote that joke and it got a huge laugh. I was like, okay, man, I'm actually can be creative without polluting myself. And then, you know, now just all I do is write and I just, you know, being sober, I've, I've taken the chains off my head and I've like, uh, I've just this, my brain just constantly going. So that, that's why I do like nine podcasts because my brain just, it's either like at some Get point I realized yeah. I talk to myself anyways, I might yeah. as well just put a camera in front of me and record it because I'm going to be doing it anyways, which is a big reason why I ended up polluting myself was because I just, my, I couldn't get my brain off. So now with the beauty of the internet, I can just channel that energy into podcasting and all that stuff. And how are you doing with uh, Zoom AA meetings? I hate them with a passion. I, I think I believe in the fellowship being in the same room. So I haven't, well, uh, I've been happy and I've been rebelling against AA with completely stupid and infantile, but still, I just hate Zoom AA meetings. Well, <laughs> you know what, man? I, I love in meetings too, but 
when meetings are live, I always can, I, I would always come up with a reason why, oh, dude, it's, it's 10 minutes of the meeting. I can't, I can't make it. Oh, yeah. Damn, I want to. But now every, every day at 6 p.m., I have a seven days a week, I have a meeting and it's pretty much the same guys every time on Sundays is like this big, big meeting and uh, that I'm honored to be a part of. You know, I don't know if you ever lived in L.A., but West Side Recovery is just so amazing. And then you go to Hollywood, it's great, too, but it's always like young, shiny objects, and uh, which are great to stare at. I mean, the blessings are, you know, it's like great. But I, I do a men's stag, and I can focus, and uh, I just enjoy it. So Zoom's been belly, belly good to me in the sense that I have um, – it just, I have no excuse now. Like I just, okay, jump on the meeting and I could sit there and, you know, I can't wait till meetings uh, come back so we could be in the presence of each other. Cause I think that's very important. And to me, this is kind of the part of the psychological warfare that's going on with us, you know, not having human contact, but I'll take zoom while I can. And you know, I'm very, I'm very blessed to be in the group that I am. I'm very happy with it. Awesome. And speaking of the pandemic, when it hit, uh, how did you, did you have to change anything about your spiritual life or your mental life? Cause it was a, it was a big hit when it happened, what March of 2020 and all the insanity, how did you have to pivot or did you have to rearrange things in oh, your, yeah, yeah, inside oh. your soul, Sam? Oh, well, you know, it's very interesting, dude. So, you know, I was uh, I was living check to check till I was about 43 years old. And then over the last couple of years, I've been blessed that, you know, I started this, this show at the comedy store. It was just right time, right place. It was called Comedy Chaos. And we were selling out the main room, thir- 370 people twice in a night on Tuesday, every other wow. Tuesday. So like, and we were selling them out. And uh so I was starting to cook with gas and I always had this, like, you know, I never understood, you know, cutting corners when it comes to taking care of people. So I, I always felt, man, if you take care of people, they kind of, they'll run through a brick wall for you. So we were cooking with gas and then March hit and that all went away. So I, you know, I was watching television, man. And, you know, I'm a conspiracy theorist. I say it with pride. And I was just watching that everything was like pandemic, BLM, uh, Antifa, you know, riots, blah, blah, and it was just nonstop that. Now, and I was just like, I just couldn't take it anymore. All this social justice stuff. And so I'm like, you know what, if I'm going crazy over this, I bet my listeners are going crazy over. It. So I started doing like three day, three times a week shows. But then like when you're grinding on that all the time and you're in that kind of world of like, what are these elites doing to everybody? You can start losing it. So I start, you know, I'd want to do a couple spiritual episodes, but then the I couldn't, like, they just weren't getting the numbers, but they were really resonating with me. So Rockfin, this website I'm on, hit me up and they're like, please do an exclusive show. I'm like, I've been really wanting to do this show called Zero. I'll do it there. And it's very weird to do a spiritual show that you got to pay uh, you know, they got a Netflix model. It's like $10. You get everybody's premium content, but I'm like, I don't have the time to do it. And they want it. And I, I just had two baby girls at, at 47 years old. I had two twin girls. It's the be- best blessing of my life. Awesome. I'm so blessed. And, but you know, obviously 
that that involves money and stuff. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to, uh, I'll, I'll do it. And I just start going down these like kind of like I I just start going down these like kind of spiritual rabbit holes, having you on, having Matt LaCroix on, having this Von Galt uh, Buddhist author on. I just started seeing that there was this bigger thing and it was really, really helping me like kind of deal with what was going on, that there's this bigger thing. And just like going through then have meeting all these people having like, you know, you know, after life, after death experiences, multiple life experiences, I go, okay, there's something more. And for some reason, I just kind of, it all kind of just all washed away. And I just never really cared about any go, anything going on. I did get caught in the political stuff for a little while. Not so much that Trump was a good guy or these guys are bad. I think they're all crime bosses and they're just different crime organization. But I kind of was feeling for the children, for for these countries that were bombing. But then I realized like, I'm just putting my energy in this. And the only way I could help anybody is by focusing on myself. So that's kind of how I've dealt with the pandemic was really looking inside and not getting lost in the reality show that is Washington DC or Hollywood and just kind of pulling out and just focusing on me and my family. Yeah, that's great. That's what I did. I, I went inward. I expanded my spiritual horizons and try not to take the illusion out there but at the same time you and i have been very fortunate uh, obviously our recovery and our spiritual constitution that thank god our sponsors and our teachers helped us out we pivoted to the right corners instead of the other way at the same time there are people hurting big time alcoholism suicide uh, overdose uh, overdoses are just shooting up the roof uh, do you have advice for people who might be suffering today? I'm sure people reach out to oh, you like, yeah, Sam, I'm, I'm sinking here. Help. All the time, man. All the time. I've got, you know, I do cameos. I got people asking for that kind of advice. And, you know, it's like, for me, man, I, I, I just really like, I look into like Lush and like that whole uh, way of thinking about this group of people that are just stealing our negative energy. Don't go to bed. Don't go to bed angry. You know, there's reason these are kind of cliches because they're true. And it's like, there's this just group of people that are just trying to live off our pain and suffering. Like people like Bill Gates. I just think they're lifetime actors playing a LARPing role. Not that he's not rich or not that he isn't part of these groups, but I think they've pushed him forward kind of the play this Lex Luthor type guy that they they program us to think about that you know there's a evil billionaire who wants to destroy the world and here comes Jeff Bezos here comes you know Bill Gates that just fit that and we can all just we don't even think twice about it. we just like evil guy and then there's some people like great guy and it's just like craziness like for me man it's just like all, all I got, all I have to say is the law of attraction is like the, there is no reality. There's only perception and what you perceive becomes your reality. And it's your, it's your thoughts. And like, you know, just things I've learned in recovery, which is like, sit down at the end of the day, be thankful for all the good stuff that happened, you know, in the morning, like, what are you thankful for at night? Just like thankful that you made through the day sober. And, and it's like not changing your perspective. Like I caught myself being super negative, you know, at some point in LA, I realized that I was um, becoming my father and I love my father to death, 
but it's like this old saying in recovery be you can't be an example be a warning right and mm -hmm. that's like i learned from my father it's like i was turning into him and making the same kind of mistakes and you know getting into spirituality with like the energy you put out is the energy you get back and all that stuff. It's like, it's just the truth, man. And if there's a million things going on, if you focus on the positive stuff, it's amazing how your energy changes. And that's all I got to say, man. It's like, you know, it's as it's, it's crazy as it is, man, if you're struggling with stuff, start looking, start looking at YouTube videos about positive thinking, positive energy, change your perspective. There is no reality. There is only perception. A million things are going on. What you focus on becomes you. And just like they're soul suckers. I'm not saying cut everybody out your life. I, I really hate the saying, stick with the winners. I hate it. Because sometimes <laughs> when you do that, you might find yourself in a shark tank. And you don't know if you're a shark or you're a chum. And I've seen people just eating up and spit out. So hang out with the ones that love you. And sometimes they're flawed, but everybody's flawed. So my whole thing is just... Stick with the stick with the people who love you. Stick with the positivity and listen. This too shall pass. And in terms of suicide, I talk. You know, I talk to people that I sense going through stuff, and I go, "Here's the thing, man. You're here to learn some lessons. If you if you kill yourself, you basically fucking you you basically didn't honor the contract, and you have to come back and do it all." over again you know for me man what you and i are doing right here this to me is like the internet and youtubing and and i don't even care only fans only fans whatever it is man whatever you got to sell the internet is the new main street and youtube even even though it's kind of going crazy now but youtube you know patreon rockfin all these things are like it's like these are the underground railroad to financial and career freedom. And I don't care. You don't have to be entertaining. There's a million things you can do on the internet. And you just got to figure out what is your house. I mean, what is your store? It's not brick and mortar anymore. It's internet. It's virtual. What can you do? And people go, not everybody can get a, a thousand, hundred thousand <laughs> subscribers on YouTube. I go, the ones who try can. It's all possible, man. And there is a niche. And you just got to look into it. And the difference between the haves and the have not are the haves tried. And that's why, you know, I, I had a cousin who was almost murdered like a year ago. And she had nobody around her to talk to her about how to change her perspective in life. Because if you do this, man, if you stop looking at the negative, you search for the positive in everything. Mm -hmm. And you just let it go. Just let it go, man. For me in my life, man, you know what I do? I have, I, have, uh, I have three simple words that help me deal with chaos. And they are be Denzel Washington. That's what I do. Be Denzel Washington. Every time he's in a movie, man, I know they're movies, but if you watch him, everything he does is he keeps cool, calm, collected, and he, he, dis, he, he disengages the situation. He brings the energy down. He doesn't feed into it, make it crazy. And that's kind of how I live my life right now. You know, I have some people in my life who just like to wail away on me. And I just let it go, dude. Rope-a-dope that. Rope-a-dope it. Let them get it out. Because when I feed energy into it, it just makes the matter worse. And that's kind of how I live my life right now. Awesome. Great advice. Uh, 
I love the Denzel Washington, except I was thinking of Denzel Washington in the movie Flight. So I was like, a, but no, what do you do in Flight? I can't brilliant. remember. That was the well, one where he's a drug addict pilot and he flies the plane. But he lands down. the plane, right? Yes, he's he all, lands yeah, he, the plane. Even when he's coked up, he's pretty cool. He's a cool customer. He, he <laughs> lands the plane. And that to me is the most important part. And it's like, and the, you know, that's my kind of how I see life. It's like, it's like a plane ride and flight. And there's always going to be turbulence. But most of the time, if not almost every time, the plane lands. So you just got to ride it out, right? And stop like eternalizing everything. Turn off the television, turn off the news, get off. Of, so I have, I, yeah, I've I seen I, you, uh, you cut down on Twitter big time. You even announced you're like, no. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I had to get a second phone. I just bought it off a friend of mine who had an extra one and I put my social media on there. That's my Twitter, my Instagram. Cause Instagram's like terms of agreement. Like they can just mine everything off your phone. So I'm like, nah, not today. So I have nothing on this except for social media. And then I don't take it anywhere with me. And I, I got a flip phone. I like that. I'm about to get off a flip phone. I'm about to get on a flip phone. This will be my crypto phone. This will be my social media phone. And either sell the two meet. And I'm just going to, because I have a, I, my phone just like is constantly ringing all the time. And I'm like, I can't focus I'm just being in the moment and breathing and spending time with my daughters. So I'm going to be that old guy. Being a dad is great. It's like no pressure, bro. No pressure. I'm going to have a flip phone like a crazy drug dealer. <laughs> That's awesome. Love it. And uh, to uh, to end, Sam, I wanted to ask you, we're talking about Denzel Washington. Great performance. Uh, what are some of your... Uh, favorite comedians or actors who are alcoholics who either uh made it or didn't did not make it or why their stories really resonated with you i think philip seymour hoffman still bugs me because he had so many years of sobriety it's like if it happened to him i am not safe and it's seven years without heroin and or more and they can hit you and heroin's work i mean like i'm so happy i got a game with fentanyl and coke man i couldn't I mean, dude, yeah, it's drug here. dealers have to be the worst business people in the world, right? Like they're the only ones who kill off their customers. It's like I don't, I don't understand <laughs> that, dude. It's like, what are you doing, man? It's, it's, <laughs> imagine if every time you went and got a hamburger, somebody died. Nobody go get hamburgers, but for some reason, it's like, fuck. I hope it's not fentanyl. Gah, 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 you know. I've, I've decided the only pe reason people like Coke is because chicks let you get weird on it. That's the only reason, right? They're like, whatever, do whatever you want. I love Coke. <laughs> You're like, fuck, man. Like, I had a sex addiction and I had a fucking drug addiction. They were like tag team champions. <laughs> I used to do blow or speed, just set the high score on Pornhub. And you'd have those fucking Coke birds that's, <laughs> You know? Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, I hated yeah. it. I hated it. I hated it. Look out the window, like, oh my God, but, people like Robert, are going to work. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. You know, and some of them aren't even that famous guys. You know, I think, I think fame. I think you get into this because you're like, I want to be the greatest comic ever, and that involves fame, and then you realize that's miserable. Like everybody knows, like super rich is, it just seems angry at the world. I think just be happy. 
And uh, I have a lot of friends who are sober. They don't do drugs and they're just happy people, man. I mean, you know, sometimes sobriety, the only thing you get out of sobriety is sobriety. And like, that's fine. I mean, like, it's not perfect life. It's you get problems, but the difference is now you learn how to deal with the problems. Amen. And agree with you hundred percent. Well, that's awesome. Well, before we go, where can people find out more about you, Sam? Of course, well, I'll have it in web- the show notes. Well, my website is almost done, but it's uh, samtriply.com. Oh, yeah, it was and- under construction the other day when I was. Yeah, it's that. almost done. I'm finally done. Like, I'm just going decentralized, bro. I'm like, I think I'm about to pr- turn. I'm. I think I'm about to pull Tim Fall hat off of YouTube because they just really? keep giving me war like strikes. Uh, like they gave me a strike on a twerking and politics video. I do. Like I do a video where I take like Instagram twerking videos, and then I just get comedic. I mean, I give political speeches about like what's going on in the world because it's meant to be like what the news is going to be in the future, right? And. <laughs> They gave me like a mystery for- science theater for twerking yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's I get this guy. I I I put in a I put in eighteen a uh, picture from the eighteen hundreds. I found some guy from the eighteen hundreds, and I did like uh, I was able to find a way to make his mouth move like I'm talking, <laughs> and he, I just put him. I put this black and white picture over some hot chick twerking. And they, I mean, YouTube ding me for a twerking video. It's like, just put in twerking YouTube and it's millions of videos. So they're coming after me and I normally wouldn't care, but you know, it's like, I, I'm also a stand up comic and I like to put my specials on YouTube. Right. So that's kind of why I'm going to do it. So I'm thinking about, so I'm going to move everything to uh, uh, Sam I have a podcast called zero. It's on Rockfin. It's a spiritual podcast. I just started a new podcast called um, cash daddies. And that's a comedic financial uh, investment show for the internet rich, because like I just started making money and I don't know anything about investing. So <laughs> I started doing that. And then I have a popular podcast called punch drunk sports. So any of those just put Sam Tripoli in and you know, have fun. And uh, I, I just appreciate you having me on my show. Like you really opened our eyes to a breakfast, to chicken snake God. And uh, everybody loves them, dude. Everybody loves a breakfast, to chicken snake God. They bring it up. Everyone's like, hell, shape-shifting Jesus and the chicken snake God. <laughs> that's probably where you're getting strikes. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, Sam, uh, thank you very much for, uh, for coming on Finding Hermes. And as always, I look forward to the next time we'll interact out there. Anytime, on the all the time. We'll chop it off soon, my brother. So thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you. And there you have it. Uh, A great interview with Sam Tripoli. Always enjoy interacting with him. And as always, I hope you got uh, a tool or more, a tool or two, uh, the band tool, whatever, for your toolbox. Um... I love some of his themes. Uh, certainly love B. Denzel Washington. And uh, it makes sense. Uh, there is something magnetic and present about Denzel Washington. How he his, his personality always takes over the film. You don't see that very often. You'd have to look at uh, individuals like Gary Cooper or Clint Eastwood for that sort of power. And uh, as I kind of mentioned, it it 
it does have to do with his personality. It's almost like his authentic self is always there through any movie. There is an inner Denzel Washington throughout the plot. And it doesn't matter what he has to go through, what trials and tribulations happen to him. He's going to be this Denzel Washington-ness at the end of the film. And I think that's a great lesson because each one of us has an authentic self, a true, powerful, magnetic, charismatic, and uh, um, destined self that we can have and go through the trials and tribulations of our lives, the story of our lives. So one of many uh, good ideas or insights that Sam brought to the table. Obviously, the main one is the healing power of laughter and humor. Uh, these are obviously coping skills. They are a way of remaining detached from the material flows of life. And uh, they're certainly a way to keep your eyes open to the absurdity that is life, that is existence, that is everything around us. To keep a sense of perspective of how small we are in the grand scheme and how we can simply uh, thrive in this awesomeness and this awe and horror that is the entire universe. So, yes, it's almost paradoxical. Be the hero like Denzel Washington, but uh, know how small you are in the world and have some fun with it. I like this quote by Charlie Chaplin. To truly laugh, you must be able to take your pain and play with it. I also like this quote from Mel Brooks that exemplifies what Sam spoke about and what I'm talking about right now. It goes... Humor is just another defense against the universe. Amen to that. Uh, and you can connect it to this quote that I often say in Aeon Bite from, uh, well, the Cheshire Cat, what the Cheshire Cat told Alice, and that is imagination is the only weapon in the war against reality. Imagination and humor, you'll be fine. Be like Denzel Washington. And it should be mentioned, too, that uh, one of the reasons I always liked the Gnostics was uh, how they leveraged parody, puns, and humor in their texts. Some of them are pretty acid and uh, pretty polemic, uh, pushing back against the orthodoxy of the time, sometimes against other Gnostic groups. But the Gnostics certainly had that uh, Joker-ish kind of attitude when it came to dealing with the world and uh, something I admire them for. It's interesting that when you look at the New Testament, one thing you notice is Jesus is very serious in those texts. He doesn't laugh once. He's, uh, well, he's a very serious guy and I have a feeling that wasn't an accident. That was sort of, uh, whoever put these texts together knew that taking out the joy and humor and laughter out of the world might be a good idea for whatever control they wanted. On the other hand, when you look at the Gnostic Gospels and other Apocrypha, you'll see a very different Jesus. This Jesus likes to dance like he does in Acts of John with his apostles in the Last Supper. He hangs out with women in a very friendly way. Uh, he kisses Mary Magdalene on the mouth. He's just, uh, as Jeff Kripal said in his book, uh, The Serpent's Secrets, he's a man's man. He's quite the dude. 
And uh, he certainly laughs a lot. He laughs in the Gospel of Philip. He laughs in the Apocalypse of Peter. He laughs in the Gospel of Judas. Sometimes it's sort of a comforting laugh, like in the secret book of John, when he, when the apostle John is all sad and depressed and Jesus sort of chuckles to help him out, uh, get out of the mood. Sometimes it's a very nasty mocking laugh, like in the gospel of Judas, where he laughs at the apostles because they are sacrificing to Yaldi Baldi, to the Demiurge. But, um, Again, I really like the Gnostic Jesus because he's always laughing. Not always laughing, but he laughs when he has to laugh, and I hope you do too. This also reminds me of, uh, there is a text, or more like it's a magical papyri, called the Eighth Book of Moses. It has nothing to do with Moses, but uh, it's a scroll or a papyri full of incantations, but it also has a cosmology. In this cosmology, Abraxas is associated with the God above God, the ultimate consciousness. And it's interesting because how he brings creation is through laughter. He laughs and the, and the, and matter and the oceans are separated. He laughs and, uh, uh, the logos is created. He laughs and all these spirits and angels come out. So it, it's almost like, when the supreme consciousness begins to emanate and understand itself and all its aspects and potentials, it all, it, Abraxas already knows that this is, uh, well, it's a little bit absurd. It's a little bit funny, as Elton John would sing, and he's going to just have a good time with it. So, yes, in the eighth book of Moses, Abraxas laughs. And to end, and I hope you've enjoyed this Finding Hermes with Sam Tripoli, I'm going to uh, play the audio version of um, the last episode in The Young Pope, Season 1. In it, he's out in, I think, uh, St. Peter's Square, and he's talking about an individual, Juanita, that's going to be canonized. And Juanita describes who God really is and what God should be. In a hint, as a hint, uh, being divine has to do with laughter. And uh, I think you'll enjoy this clip, and I think you'll get, again, where you should go in your uh, evolution into a more divine being. So here is that quote from the young Pope. And again, thanks for being here. I hope uh, you have I hope you can uh, go through the doors you need to go. I hope you lay down all your cards on the table. And uh, we can have a little more laughter in this world with Hermes, the god of thieves, and uh, Sophia, the goddess of smugglers, as I say often in the podcast. God does not allow himself to be seen. God does not shout. God does not whisper. God does not write. God does not hear. God does not chat. God does not comfort us. And all the children asked her, Who is God? And Juana replied, 
God smiles. And only then did everyone understand. about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.